You're listening to ZZ Talk, a father-son generational podcast where we talk about entertainment, culture, and a variety of other subjects from the perspectives of both Gen Z and Gen X. I'm Noah. I'm Greg. And this is ZZ Talk. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. So today, as a continuance of New Movie Month, and I believe uh, this is the last episode of New Movie Month. No, it's not. What's today's date? No, we have a couple more. Okay. Either way, we're continuing. At least one more. Today's the 22nd. All right, fair enough. I know we're near the end of the month, and uh, well, we're just rolling right along. Anyway, so uh, we decided to go back to the theater this time. Because last week, I believe that we watched a streaming service film, and that was Ghosted. If you have not heard our thoughts on that one, uh, definitely check it out if you're interested in watching it. But this time, we decided to go for something a little bit more realistic, a little bit more grounded, and something that is uh, relatively recent as well. So we went and saw Blackberry. So we saw this separately. Um, I watched this yesterday, and... uh, We'll wait for the synopsis, but I'm going to go ahead and get into a couple details about this movie because you can probably guess what it's actually about. So Blackberry was directed by Matt Johnson. Uh, You may also know him for uh, an independent feature called The Dirties. And uh, it features it's starring Glenn Howerton from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, You might know him as Dennis. Uh, Jay Baruchel. Uh, He's in quite a few Canadian productions and a couple American comedies as well. Matt Johnson himself also stars in the movie. Rich Summer, Michael Ironside, Martin Donovan, and a couple other cast members who are also featured in bit roles. So Blackberry uh, released just recently, uh, came out on February 17th at the 73rd Berlin International Film Festival, and it was released Dually in Canada and the United States on May 12th. So it's within this month, falls directly within the new movie category. And it was made on a budget of $5 million. So far, it's made $1.2 million. It's uh, not really a biopic, but more of a uh, telling of an interesting story that happened before. But before we get into that, let's go ahead and go over the synopsis. What do you got? Well, I was just going to say the synopsis is essentially the rise and fall of the Blackberry. And that's probably all you need to know. But uh, the official synopsis is the company behind the first smartphone, the BlackBerry, meets a catastrophic demise. So the rise and fall of the BlackBerry smartphone. Yes. So this is interesting. Uh, This film, I actually did not read the reviews before going in. When you told me that you had watched it or were going to watch it, I knew what it was about. But I didn't really have any frame of reference about who was in it and how it was critically received. Um, I was actually pretty surprised afterwards to read that it had almost universal acclaim. The general consensus was very, very positive with a 98% aggregate review score uh, based off of 143 reviews with Rotten Tomatoes and an average rating of 7.9, which is very, very good. Um, So I was uh, pretty pleased to, I guess, go into a movie that was more true to life rather than just straight up fantasy this time it's been a while since we've watched a movie like this and i thought it was interesting because i remember the days before smartphones were everywhere but i do remember that you had a blackberry and it was the first smartphone that i ever saw and you had one for quite a while there 
So when it kind of comes to the history of BlackBerry and around that time when iPhones started dominating, a lot of people don't really know if BlackBerry is completely gone or how it necessarily declined or how long it's uh, stayed around. And additionally, I think a lot of people forget just how dominant BlackBerry was in the industry. So it's really cool to kind of go into the behind the scenes story of the rise and fall of this brand. And um, that was just kind of my idea going into it, even though I didn't really have any expectations. And once again, I think that serves you better when you're going into a film. Um, well, my I went into this film, I tend to go to Flickster to see what movies are coming out and really what people are saying about these movies. And I love the idea of this film, um, Blackberry, just the rise and fall, you know, having lived through it, I was intrigued by it. Um, to me, it seemed like a departure from just about every single thing we're watching these days, with the exception of Air, which I did not like, uh, even though it received a lot of positive reviews and a lot of uh, fanfare. But I, I just really thought this would be really interesting. And then I saw that it was at the time 97, 98% on the tomato meter. And I thought, this is definitely a movie I want to see. It's not a movie that you can you can watch locally here. We had to go to Greensboro to watch it. And um, uh, I think I mentioned it to your brother. In fact, I said to Luke that it was a movie that I was interested in seeing. And I know he went to see it last week or 10 days ago or so and gave me his feedback on it, which, frankly, whether or not he had, um, regardless of what he would say to me about the film, I was still going to see it because I was so intrigued by the idea of having lived through the rise and fall of this device. And of course, having been a BlackBerry owner and then also having been a Palm Pilot owner, which was, you know, prior to or in coinciding with, you know, frankly, the Black the BlackBerry replaced the Palm Pilot, right? Mm -hmm. Even though they sort of merged, although it was a little nebulous in the film itself. Mm -hmm. um, and so, again, having been a user of these devices, having lived through the before, the during, and now the after, it was an intriguing idea of a film. And so I wanted to see it, and, and we went on Saturday. Absolutely. And I think this definitely plays into the generational aspect of our podcast, because once again, my first smartphone I got in, I want to say 2013 or so. And, um, you know, that was around the time when they were relatively ubiquitous. But um, I know that you had a personal and a work phone. Um, and I think the work phone was the BlackBerry. But I don't remember you having an iPhone up until relatively recently. Um, I know that you were a fan of Apple's products before. Um, but by relatively recently, I say last 10 years or so. Um, okay. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. Um, one thing uh, I can also mention is shout out to Luke. He definitely has all the new movies covered and he's probably seen them before us. I know that he uh, definitely uh, utilizes his one of his movie pass uh, sort of esque uh, regal regal. Yeah, his uh, I know he uses his regal unlimited uh, thing to be able to watch a lot of movies at a time. But that's pretty cool that he saw this, given how, you know, we both kind of had to go a little bit out of our way for uh the movie watching experience so uh let's go ahead and get into what we thought of it um i'm curious to know what you thought about this movie okay so so often you go into a film especially if you know the reviews in advance which you did not and i did and you have great expectations for them and and so often the film disappoints 
Um, I'm here to tell you that I am here for this film 100%. I completely agree. It is without question one of the best films I have seen in a very, very long time. I thought overall, it's not a perfect film. There is no such thing, I don't think. But I think overall, um, this is a film that is very well constructed, extremely well constructed. And we will talk about that um, because there was a time during which during the film, I wondered how this was going to wrap up. And um, I thought the arc of this film was was essentially flawless. That said, um, overall, I just really, really, really like this film. It's in part, I think, enjoyable because, you know, I lived it. Mm-hmm. In part, it's enjoyable because it's well constructed. In part, it's enjoyable because it's very well acted, I think. And overall, it tells uh, a fascinating story, which was frankly quite inevitable. Uh, and it does it in a relatively efficient way. It is just under two hours, but there was really never a point that I was bored or felt like it was going off the rails. So for me, this is a big win. I really like this movie. And I really like the fact that I liked it as well as I hoped I would like it because I was so intrigued by both what I knew about the film going in and the story itself. Yeah, well, that, I think that's a great summarization of what you thought. Um, I also do want to point out that given your tendency to enjoy shorter movies more, the fact that this was just over two hours and you enjoyed it as much as you did is also a testament to how the film uh, was paced, I would say. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I would also agree. I was pleasantly surprised to see each of the main actors in the roles that they were because generally they're comedians and they play relatively different characters. Right. For example, Glenn Howerton, he is a relatively, he's actually quite a successful actor, but most of his work has been one character on one of the longest running TV sitcoms right. um, ever. Right. Uh, Jay Baruchel, I thought he was extremely convincing as just a tech CEO as well. And sort of his change from very, very guarded and um, meek and mild to quite quite the powerful business owner and co-CEO, may I say. But um, yeah, I thought this movie did a really good job of not falling into the trappings of being too melodramatic or sensationalizing too many aspects of what actually did happen. It was a really concise summary of what went on, suggesting some of the stuff that they didn't necessarily expand upon. I did think part of the movie was a little bit guilty of winking at the audience a little bit with some of the uh, platitudes that were in the script. But for the most part, I thought it was a really sharp exploration of multiple different characters and did a great job of just showing in a more brief format the rise and fall of BlackBerry as it was, while also just kind of giving people a little bit of a memory jog as to what the brand was and um, how it was mismanaged eventually. So it, give me an I, example of the winking, the platitudes. Sure. So I think there's parts of the script where they're talking about pirates and sharks and they're saying, oh, the, you know, the, uh, the sharks are afraid of the pirates and, uh, or vice versa. No, the pirates are afraid of the sharks. Pirates are afraid of the sharks. And then they have a mention of, oh uh, my, by the way. Yeah, they have they had another mention of like one of the core beliefs that the CEO had and it came up in another scene. But I also do like how sometimes that if they mentioned something early in the movie, it would come up a little bit later and that would be tied into the overall consequences of the film. 
But um, there was a couple moments where I think the script, the writers were kind of just like, oh, yeah, this is a good one. You know, we're going to put it out there and it's going to come back around. And I think the movie winked a little bit in that regard. But I didn't think it was too pretentious. I didn't think it was too silly. I thought it was a really great balance of humor, but also showing how corporate life really is and what it takes to scale a business and the challenges that come along with that. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, we can talk about it a little bit more in spoilers. And I will admit some of the, um, I do want to say some of the look of some characters went a little bit too far for me. And I think uh, we can probably uh, talk about that a little bit later, but for the most part, there was a lot of concepts that were juggled in this film and it didn't go too deep on any one thing, but it did a lot of general things very well. So I liked it more than I thought I would. I thought it was going to be relatively boring, but um, coming out of it, I would say I was pleased and it was better than I thought. Yeah, well, good. I'm glad. I'm I'm, I'm not terribly surprised to hear you say that. I actually thought you might be a little more enthusiastic about it. But I mean, you know, this is a $5 million film and I haven't seen it yet. I probably will next weekend, but Fast X cost $340 million to make. And um, there is no way that film is going to be as good as this one. I have spoken. Yeah, that's a ridiculous, <laughs> that's a ridiculous budget. And I think most audiences know they don't go to a fast movie for the substance necessarily. They just go there to have fun and they know exactly what the franchise is going for at this point. Um, yeah. But regardless, I almost threatened myself with going to see Fast X, but it's been six or seven years since I've seen the previous entry. So I decided just kind of just to let it go. I haven't seen any of them, but I'm still interested in this. But we're back to BlackBerry. All right. Shall we go into spoilers? Yes. All right. So we are going to head uh, go ahead and do spoiler talk. First of all, I would recommend this to anybody who's interested in the general rise and fall of things. Um, there's a lot of popular video essays about many different companies and corporations who have gone through this kind of thing. And those videos are like 20 minutes on YouTube. But if you want to see a feature film version of it and this kind of stuff interests you, or even if you have a passing interest in anything uh, that was significant in the late 90s, early 2000s, I think this film does a great job of sort of capturing how life was like and uh, how it impacted society. So I would recommend this just to most people, unless you think the concept is so incredibly boring and you're unwilling to watch something like this. I, I would recommend it to even general moviegoers for sure. Yeah. Let me just say this too. Um, it's interesting as we talk about this, my my going into this conversation, I thought, well, why wouldn't anyone find this very enjoyable? But again, I think it's reinforced by the fact that, you know, I, I'm not your age and barely remember the beginning of smartphones, right? I mean, I remember life was great before them. Life is great with them kind of thing. So, um, and, I, and I'm going to compare this really quickly to Air, which is a film. I don't remember if we necessarily no, because you haven't seen Air, right? No, um, but I know it's about the Michael Jordan shoe deal, correct? Right. And I think the difference here for me is that, um, you know, there is no fall in that one. There, there's a, there's a, there's a story arc here. You, you, there's a rise and a fall. Uh, and whereas that is the origin story of how this mega successful business deal came to be and how this made mega successful, you know, commercial, um, thing that we're also aware of in today's world, uh, exists. So therein lies the difference, but this is not about air. This is about Blackberry and I'm going to turn it back to you. All right. Sounds like a plan. So, uh, spoiler warning, y'all know the deal. If you have not seen this movie and you want to, 
uh go ahead and pause the podcast for now go watch the film and then come back and compare your thoughts to our spoiler filled discussion and uh if you have seen the movie and you want to listen on go ahead but just know that you have been warned this is the spoiler section we have gotten feedback that this section should be a little bit more explicit so i just want to be able to cover that spoilers 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 all right moving on next okay um what would you say are the main strengths of this movie and what did you learn in this film that surprised you the most i think the greatest strength of this film is the lead performance by glenn howerton i i you know i looked him up afterwards because i didn't, didn't ever remember seeing him and i know this is a canadian film so um and, and by the way i know that's also how you make a, a a film on $5 million, right? You're not spending $10 million per, per actor kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought his performance was really incredible. So I looked him up only to find out that he's a, a, a main character on it's always sunny in Philadelphia and he's a comedian and he has a full head of hair and, and, and mm-hmm. all of that. And I thought to myself, that's an impressive performance. I mean, it was really convincing. In fact, as I mentioned earlier, I felt like all these performances were, were fairly convincing. There were some, uh, characters that I didn't think were fully fleshed out sure. um, that I wish that perhaps they had taken more opportunity to to do that with. But I think overall, um, for me, the the big takeaway was I was involved in this. I, I probably had a smirk. I think your mom looked over at me at one point. I had a smirk on my face every time um, the Glenn Howerton character, whose name, what, what was his name in the film? Uh, I think his name was John Balsillie. Okay. Um Every time he was on screen because he was so erratic, but I also took from his performance or not from his performance, but the portrayal. Um, this is someone now he was not necessarily the most ethical person. Right. I mean, right. I think we took from that. But what I what I also appreciated was he was someone who who could not do the work, but had to lead the work. Mm-hmm. And because he because of his inability to do the work, he was he was left to completely rely on the team of engineers who were, you know, and isn't that the way it always goes? I mean, the, you know, right now we're experiencing a writer strike in Hollywood, right? We all laud the actors, but without the writers, the ones who are actually doing the work, mm-hmm. the actors have nothing to say. So it is a little bit of a, um, you know, a, a cautionary tale on be careful because, you know, one of the things I've always subscribed to in my professional life is I'm not going to ask someone to do something I don't know how to do. Now, there are a lot of things that other people know how to do that I don't know how to do, but I can, I have done in a lot of cases, the work that we're carrying out in my profession, right? So all of that is to say, I just thought it was an interesting take on um, leadership, corporate not corporate greed but just sort of there were overtones there were some quotes from wall street right or you know corporate aggression really just corporate aggression i think that's a fantastic way to say it and i have to say that even though i think that the first it, it took a minute to get going right i i think the setup really paid off in that the you know glenn howerton's character you had to see him in a different environment to understand that he was really out for himself and only out for himself. And he was going to misrepresent himself uh, in order to be successful. Yeah, absolutely. I that's I, I think that's a really good uh, way to put that all together. I also do want to correct myself. It's Jim Balsillie. And Okay, uh, I knew the first name wasn't quite right. Yeah, okay, well, it's it funny because in the movie, they 
in order to insult him, they purposely get his last uh, name wrong. And I got his first name wrong here. So, um, oh. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I think that's you a really interesting the co-CEO, the co-CEO. And I think the that's a really interesting point, right? Because on the one hand, you were talking about how he's the guy who doesn't necessarily he doesn't have the te- he's not the tech guy. And they mentioned that in the movie. He's the guy who can sell something. He's the guy who can create an image around something and scale a business. Um, these tech geeks, these tech nerds, they knew nothing about that. They didn't even know how to properly market themselves. That's where he comes in. Now you have this relationship where, you know, each role is incredibly important, right? One person needs the other and the other person, vice versa, all that. But you also learned this was a unique situation where co-CEOs actually played to the detriment of the company. There was, um, you know, there was too much going on. And I think overall, when you have two people with that much power with conflicting, ideologies and different skill sets um that can really work to harm the company especially if one person is extremely self-interested and that is evidence on the poster uh you've got like a light bulb over um jay baruchel's character and you've got devil horns over glenn howerton's character so it kind of gives you a little bit of that and i mean the film doesn't make no mistake the film doesn't allude to these characters being anybody except who they pretty much are throughout the movie except in some instances but i like how they didn't necessarily portray anyone everybody was relatively neutral except for one character in this movie and i think that's doug um but on the topic of jim balsley i loved his character because of glenn howerton's performance he usually plays a guy who's a narcissistic sociopath, but it's more hinted at. And that's what makes it kind of funny. And this, he's really able to lose himself in the role because, and it's always sunny. He's very vain. He's very calculated. Um, he's, he's very calculated in some of his decisions while often being derailed by the people around him. And this movie, he knows exactly what he wants. He's laser focused, focused. We have that corporate aggression and he's, you know, he's not a vain guy. He's just very smart. He knows how to take advantage of opportunities where they are. So I think that was uh, those scenes where he's yelling and really able to just fall into that character. I think that was just sort of a great representation of what the actor could do, but also uh, really cool to see just how unhinged he could be, but how much success he could get from that. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do want to talk about Doug, who was the long haired, freewheeling, tank top wearing, headband wearing. Even in a suit co-founder of uh was it research in motion or robotics in motion research in motion i think yeah um i had mixed feelings on doug and i feel like in the exploration of jim balsillie um and uh the main ceo uh ceo mike uh lazaritis lazaritis i can't remember how to uh, pronounce his last name Doug got a little bit lost in the mix, and I think that was explored in the story a little bit because you had basically two extremes, the super nerd who wanted perfection and a perfect product to innovate and create something new, and the super businessman who would stop at nothing to continue to take advantage of these opportunities at any cost, and in between was Doug. And I think to an extent, you like Doug, but you learn the least about him and you don't get really a three-dimensional portrayal of him. I think you get a lot more of that from the two main characters who are co-CEOs. When it comes to Doug, I understand what they were going for. 
he kind of was the glue that kept the team productive, but also having fun. But at the same time, he wasn't so laser focused on the growth of the company and serious about necessarily the product having to be perfect and reworking things over and over and over again. Ultimately, he just wanted to have fun with his employees, his best friend, and he just wasn't really a corporate guy. And I think it's very hinted to because of his attire, which I think was even for tech uh, company standards was frankly pretty ridiculous that he was wearing tank tops and had that long shaggy hair the entire time while everybody else got increasingly a little bit more corporate and polished. But uh, Mm -hmm. I want to know what you think about Doug, because at that point where he gets that insult from his best friend, longtime business partner, he kind of just leaves. He doesn't really say a word after that. And that's really the last that you see of Doug. And then finally, you hear what happened to him once the movie's over. But I found that kind of fascinating because he sort of popped in and out pretty frequently and was a major part of the first act of the movie and slowly kind of got less explored as he went on. I I want to know your thoughts on him. Yeah, I mean, Doug, I thought was, you know, he was that character. He was the the uh, co-creator of the startup right? He had the engineering ability, but not the business acumen. Mm -hmm. And frankly, had they not, you know, found, um, again, Glenn Howerton's character, then they would not have ever been successful. But therein lies the irony, right? The the, the person who is um, self-centered, is uh, duplicitous, who is uh, disingenuous, is the one who actually took them where they to 45% market share in the cell phone uh, industry or the smartphone industry. So Doug was for me a a little bit exhausting. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if he was in fact portrayed the way he really was, um, he was just almost a side character to me, um, which was really uh, probably one of the things I liked least about the film. There weren't a lot of things I didn't like about this film, but that might be one of them. I just felt like he was sort of relegated to the side and didn't seem to um, understand that he had to stand up more than he did in order to um, improve things. So it was a little bit of a not I'm not going to call it a parody or a cartoonish character, but it was a little bit of a, um, maybe a little more of a caricature than I, I think probably he deserved. Yeah, for sure. And I think the odd part about sort of our analysis on this is that the guy who played Doug um, was the director of the film. So on the one hand, oh, I did not realize that. Okay. Sometimes I have a bit of a problem, like when a director puts himself in a film and it's a cameo. Like I think yeah. Tarantino is so guilty of that. I th- I think you know whenever he tries an acting part, he makes great movies, but an actor he is not, and. I do think the scenes with him suffer because of it. Um, sometimes it feels like there's a bit of a, some hubris when it comes to casting yourself as such a large part of a movie, even if you're relegated to a side character. But I didn't know how to feel about this because on the one hand, he he didn't show up so much that he was overbearing on the most important characters in the movie. But on the other end, I felt like he was the least explored and meant to be the most loved with zero flaws. And he just so happened to be the director of the movie. So I was just kind of I wasn't sure how I felt about the character overall. He was definitely a genuinely 
kind guy who displayed many fun loving um personality traits that's really all we got from him and then he just kind of disappeared at some point so i I definitely think that was the weakest part of the movie um and i do want to (laughs) say uh matt uh mike uh lazaridis let's Uh just say the you know blackberry ceo his Co-CEO. hair, Co-CEO. his hair in the third act of the movie was so ridiculous to me. Um, you know, he kind of had that gray sort of like um, parted hair and everything. And then he kind of had that $500 haircut that looked so much like a wig at the end. Um, and it's funny because it's almost like every tech CEO goes for this like same look, right? They wear a lot of, you know, dark, maybe sweaters and all that kind of stuff. They had this weird nerd side to them but also this very quaffed up business side to them as well so i thought it was kind of funny how his transition was how it was but his look in the movie i think it was just maybe um just uh the costume design like the makeup uh, and effects i think it took me out a little bit it's a nitpick for sure but at the end of the day i felt like that was kind of this jarring different thing and i don't feel like despite him being one of the main characters, his real transition from meek, kind, perfectionist to business savvy, hungry, perfectionist, corporation, co-CEO shark was really that well explored. Uh, I, I completely agree with you. It was sort of a, oh, okay, all of a sudden, right? Um, the other thing I would say too is I wasn't sure if that character or that person in real life actually had that that gray hair as young as he did because yeah. I found that that took me out of the film. It took me out of the film a lot. It just felt like it, it felt a little forced and, and that's unfair because I don't know whether or not that person as a young engineer had that color hair, but it just it just felt a little... Um, out of place and it it may not have been out of place so that's my fault rather than the film's fault perhaps yeah well the actor himself um i think he has brown or black hair so that's not his natural hair color So they created it for a purpose and the character and the person that he played in real life uh mike the ceo of uh blackberry he is only 62 right now so if you're we're talking like 1996 that's almost 30 years ago so i guess he could have been graying around that point but i I do know what you're saying it seemed like he was a little bit young for that um but regardless of that um there's is there anything else in this film that you felt was particularly weak or needed a little bit more um exploration because i also think i also think one thing i i thought was interesting because they kind of do show some details about characters in the beginning of the movie that kind of come back around um such as jim bossley's love for hockey and how he just mm-hmm. decides to you know go and buy all these you know go up and look for uh hockey franchises to buy and everything like that um and then of course him giving 10 million dollar options deals to the best uh engineer electrical engineers across you know basically stealing talent um, and then everybody's saying, is this legal? And then the SEC coming over. I thought that was kind of 
I think the movie started to rush a little bit at the end when it came to sort of wrapping everything up because I felt like there was a pretty large time jump, even though it was really 2003 to 2007. I thought they did a really good job establishing what Apple was about to do and the trepidation behind that. But I felt like they probably could have explored that a little bit better because it kind of jumped from them watching part of the announcement and then um, basically him saying they're all idiots like this. Apple is Apple is not going to be able to, you know, do what it's setting out to do. And it was kind of like the before and then they didn't really explore much of what happened after. It was kind of like the SEC is coming after everybody, but it was underwhelming because the SEC is obviously um, a very large organization, uh, the regulator in the United States. Um, and you basically what happened to these guys is they got the white class, uh, white collar uh, treatment, right? Nobody served jail time. Um, eventually, it was just kind of a thing where they all got investigated, but nothing really came of it. So I that was kind of a little bit weird to me. And I thought that was not fleshed out as much as I would have liked it to. But I do want to discuss finally the ending. Um, in the very beginning of the movie, when they're talking about making a prototype, Mike uh, mentions that this prototype that he makes has to be perfect. He's got to do it that way. It can't be outsourced and he has to make sure that it is working perfectly because free of white noise free of white noise i love how he's in that waiting room and it kind of all ties back to everything and then uh, i think jim says have you ever heard the saying that perfection is the enemy of good and then he responds to that basically reaffirming that it has to be the best it can be and we're to stand out and be up to his standards and its company standards to be the best phone in the world and eventually you know he flops on that in order to be competitive in the market space that he once had. And he does face those consequences. And I think the ending of this movie is really strong as he's opening that answer to the iPhone, that line of products that he had that they outsourced China engineered um, storm products, Blackberry storm, Blackberry storm. And he just slowly opens each box, listens for that white noise, takes apart the phone and like clockwork, fixes it in this warehouse full of new products that are about to hit the market that are clearly going to be defective in some instance. And I thought that was a really strong because it not only ties what the character cared about in the beginning, but also just kind of how things came full circle. And I think at the end of the day, it shows a man who had such a strong um, idea of what he wanted and vision for the company, but eventually had to compromise on that because of the power structure of corporate aggression. And, you know, he kind of just went back to it and he said he was just, he was doing as much as he could, even though he knew it was a fruitless effort to make things perfect. And I think that's, I think that's a really good place to leave off where BlackBerry eventually was at a certain point, they knew they were doomed and they were never going to regain what they had. But I mean, to, to their credit, they tried, they tried. They really did, but they made the wrong decisions and they went against their own values. And that's why Doug was gone. That's why they got invested by investigated by the SEC. And that's why they eventually released an inferior product. It wasn't just yeah. the click that consumers liked. It was what was proprietary to the brand and the special craftsmanship that went into the original designs. 
Well, and that's what I'd say. That's why I say earlier on that I like the story arc. Um, it, it has a beginning, it has a middle, and it has an end. And the end uh, revisits the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought that was really, I mean, honestly, Noah, 10 minutes before this movie ended, I thought, how are they going to wrap this up? Mm-hmm. And then they did. And it was, it was really expertly done, I thought. And I want to say that I had a, be- uh, a Blackberry, either the bold or the storm uh, on an international trip one time. It was the absolute worst uh, gadget worst phone worst piece of technology i've ever owned and I, I i've always remembered that thinking how could they possibly have distributed that well we we see what happens when you when you distribute a a weaker and inferior product you sacrifice quality you sacrifice consumer confidence and you sacrifice your business absolutely um and that's interesting that you say that because i know that you were a huge fan of blackberry for the longest time um, yeah it's it's fascinating to hear that because you actually experienced what the film was trying to give off there. Despite the ending, the third act being relatively rushed, in my opinion, I do think it ended in about the best way that it could. I was really impressed with it. I understand what you're saying about the the rushing. I would say I accept it because I was, you know, we were approaching, we were getting close to two hours there and that was a little much, but I get it. But I honestly, I didn't think I needed to know more. Uh, I didn't know need to know the details of the SEC investigation. We got that at the end. Yeah, absolutely. It was explained pretty uh, succinctly and the sort of while the credits were rolling. All right. So um, that is our review of Blackberry. Uh, What would you give this on a one to five Z scale? On a one to five Z scale, I'm giving Blackberry four and a half Zs. Very nice. Um, I would give Blackberry three and a half Zs. I thought it was quite good. I think it's a cut above uh, other films of its type. And I think the performances were surprisingly strong and you should definitely go into this. um, You should go into this expecting to learn a lot, um, even with, you know, the relatively short time frame to tell that story. Um, Very strong uh, performances across the board and just an entertaining movie. Well paced. So three and a half stars from me, three and a half Z's from me, four and a half from you. Glad you enjoyed it. All right, let's quickly get into our check it out Um, for me. We're talking about Glenn Howerton in this movie. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is hilarious. There's a reason it's been on for 15 years, and it hasn't fallen victim to that trapping of the later seasons being so much worse than the first few. It's actually pretty good uh, still going on. Uh, Glenn Howerton is amazing as Dennis, and Danny DeVito is also an amazing character who has been you know, there pretty much since the second uh, season. So great show. Definitely watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia if you haven't yet. All right. My Check It Out is a podcast I enjoy listening to. It's called Locked On Cardinals. If you're a baseball fan, you don't have to be a Cardinal fan, regardless of your team. I think there's a Locked On podcast. That's a daily podcast, Monday through Friday, that is, on your favorite MLB team. I happen to enjoy the Cardinals, and so I'm enjoying Locked On Cardinals baseball. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Fantastic. And with that, we thank you for listening to another episode. Thanks for sticking with us this week. But until next week, I'm Noah. I'm Greg. And this is Easy Talk.